So we're going to pull up one scripture verse. It's probably one you've never really paid a lot of attention to. Matthew chapter 27, verse 19. Matthew 27, verse 19. Can you change the background? It's a little hard to read. While Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. I'm going to stop there for right now. So, first of all, let's set the scene. This, of course, is during Yeshua's trial. And what's been going on? He's been brought back and forth. Remember, he's been brought up on charges. What was he charged with? being king of the Jews, right? And they brought him before Pilate, and Pilate talked to him, looked at him, didn't have a good feeling about it, and said, where is he from? He's a Galilean. Ah, sending him over there, right? Sends it over to that governor, and what happens? Comes right back to him, and both of them found him what? Not guilty. Innocent. Two witnesses. Right? Just like in the very beginning, we had two righteous people who witnessed that he was Messiah at his birth, right? Now we have two other people. Not so righteous. Let's just say that. Right? But they're the rulers of under whose authority? Pilots who's under the authority of? Rome. So even the nations find him not guilty. And then, as the situation comes up, Caiaphas, the high priest, puts pressure on Pilate to do what? To crucify him. Kids were crying out loud. Everything was going wild. Right, Israel? I'm with you, kid. There we go. See, all you got to do is talk about them. But the, the crowds were, were listening, and a situation came up. Pilate knew he had no other choice. Had it, first of all, remember, he didn't want to have a riot breakout, right? That's the last thing he wanted to get back to Rome. And then... He also didn't want Rome to hear that he let some guy who's claiming to be king of the Jews out as well. Because what does that mean? That means he's going against Caesar, right? So he's in a no-win situation. So he said, I wash my hands of this. And he figures he'll let the people speak. And he brings out two people, Yeshua and Barnabas. Barabbas, I'm sorry, thank you. They all start with B's, right? Barabbas. Now, Barabbas, what kind of guy was he? He was a murderer. He was low life, and he was a, a rebel, too. So he said, okay, I'll let this, they'll, they'll want this guy. They won't want this guy. They'll take Yeshua, right? And I'll be done with this. And why did he use those two options? Because he wanted to listen to his wife. 
Think about it. See, remember, Pilate, we, you know, he and his wife, we know from outside of it, was, his wife was uh, a convert to Judaism. She, she loved the Jewish uh, roots and understood it. And God uses a Gentile to warn Caesar, right? To warn uh, Pilate. And listen to what it said here. Again, while Pilate was sitting on his judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, do not have anything to do with that righteous man. For today I have suffered many things in a dream because of him. Now we have to understand back in the day, especially in the Romans, dreams meant a lot to them. And we don't know what took place in this dream, but it shook her up, didn't it? And what does she call Yeshua? Righteous. Some say, later on in the 4th century, some claim, and we don't know this for a fact, so don't go quoting it, but that um, Pilate and his wife became converts to, uh, to becoming believers. And we see here that she's touched by this situation, that God used her to give a warning. But did God not want Yeshua to suffer? God knew exactly what had to be done, right? Yeshua knew exactly what had to be done. Remember he had gone into the garden of Gethsemane that night before and said, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. At that point, you had to understand Yeshua had the sins of the world upon him. How many of y'all are going through some tough times right now? Guess what? Yeshua went through it ten times over. Because he had all the sins of the world upon him, right? But he knew he had to do what God had called him to do. So Pilate, trying to appease his wife, and also trying to not kill an innocent man, because he believed he was innocent, right? He had done nothing wrong. He gave them a choice. He said, I'm going to let you free one of these men. But where were all the followers of Yeshua? They weren't around there, were they? And the high priest and some others started shouting out to give him the other guy. And it was to fulfill the word. Because Yeshua had to die, had to suffer for our sins. Isaiah 53, as we celebrated the matzah, represented in that thing. He was pierced, he was bruised for our transgressions. Pierced for our iniquities. And by his stripes, by his blood, we are healed. What are we healed from? Our sins. He takes them away. He suffered a grueling punishment. But death had no control over him. He stood for us. He became that ultimate sacrificial lamb. A woman had a dream that he was righteous. 
two men found him not guilty. Even the world realized he was king of the Jews. That's why God brought Jew and Gentile together at this time. And we see this beautiful picture that had to take place. He had to suffer. But death could not hold him. And he rose on the third day. And when they went to go prepare the body, remember the disciples, what were they expecting to see that morning? His dead body. They still didn't quite get it. They had been with him. He told me they had to suffer. But see, something was missing in them. They didn't understand the full picture. We know two of them were walking on the road to Emmaus when Yeshua came up to them. And it wasn't until he broke that matzah that they saw who he truly was. That he appeared to the others. But they still even had doubters among them. Thomas got a bad rap, didn't he? What's he known as? Doubting Thomas. Wasn't known that until that day, right? Because they didn't understand the full scope. How could someone die and then come back to life? But when they heard that the body was gone, they ran, two of them ran to the grave to see what was to happen. When they got there, they rushed inside. And what did they see? An empty tomb. He had risen. Here's the amazing thing you have to remember about that empty tomb. Who was it guarded by? The Romans. A whole division of Roman soldiers. No one could go in and sneak in. It had seals on the tombstone. You would have had to break it, right? The soldiers supposedly made up a story. Remember that? Oh, that the disciples, you know, the, the, the priests, all oh, the disciples came and stole his body. What were these like? Not only were they great disciples, but they were like, Mission Impossible, you know, dun, 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 dun. Coming down from the skies and rolling it back without the, 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 them noticing it. Come on. The soldiers decided to have a deep sleep all of a sudden, right? All these miracles had to take place because he had risen. And he showed it to him, a risen Messiah. Then, 50 days later, during that time, they have meetings with him and they realize it. But do you realize what's coming up in 50 days? 
the feast of latter fruits. But it's when the disciples were filled with the Spirit. And now everything made sense. See, they had to wait till the work HaKodesh was inside of them. And now nothing was going to stop them. Eleven of the twelve disciples died a horrible death. But they all believed in the truth. And that's what we see take place here. Once they hear the truth, they're able to go and share. And literally, on that Feast of Latter Fruits, thousands of Jews get saved. They get filled with the Spirit. We see revival break out. And that's what it is to believe in a risen Messiah. See, it wasn't enough that he died. He had to rise again. And he showed it. He wasn't just visible to one or two people. Hundreds saw him. And they proclaimed his messiahship to their death. It's something that we can live by. It's something that we have to understand. He is, because he's risen, we are alive today, but we will have eternity with him. Amen. The alternate is not fun. It's grinding and gnashing of teeth. How many of y'all want to do that? How many want to do that for five minutes? Raise your hand. I want to be worshiping and praising Adonai. In heaven, I will have a voice that will sing. Not everything on earth is like it is in heaven. I've determined that. I, will, I cannot sing here on earth. But in heaven, even my voice will be like an angel. And that's what we have to be ready for. So as we celebrate this resurrection and this first fruits... Let us not forget why he died for us. So that our sins can be forgiven. We worship a living Messiah. He's sitting at the right hand of God right now interceding for us. And that's something we can rejoice in. We celebrate a risen Savior whose blood wiped away our sins. What more can we ask for on this Feast of First Fruits? I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask you out there, those watching online, are you ready? Have you never accepted Yeshua as your Messiah? Have you had Dreams that have tormented you because of it. Just like this woman. You can be set free today. All you need to do is accept Yeshua into your heart. If you're watching online, wherever you are around the world, you see our address. You can contact us. And we will contact you and pray with you that prayer of salvation. But if you're here right now, and you're ready to say yes to him, all you need to do is raise your hand. Is there anyone? Anyone at all? And Abba Father, as we come before you right now, 
Lord, we thank you for the resurrection of your son, Yeshua. The fulfillment of the Lamb of God. And Lord, we thank you for wiping our sins away so that we may be in your presence. And Lord, that you give us eternity with you through his blood. We ask this in his precious name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand. Amen.